It's the Speedway Show, an idea exchange empowering us to live well, live fully, and love deeply. And now, here's our host, Speedway. Hey, 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 this is Speedway, and welcome, welcome, welcome to the Speedway Show. Today, we are talking about our, this is our next installation of the Tame My Kids series. Today we're talking about the zero to six month stage. Why? Because actually kids develop uh, quite rapidly during the first year in particular. And there are a lot of things that you can do to start taming your children in the zero to six month stage. And I wanted to talk about this stage in particular because so, so many parents think that babies cannot be disciplined, and that is not at all true. And we're going to talk about what discipline looks like at that stage. And the reason it's important is because, as I said in the very first installation of the show when we kicked off the series, Tame My Kids, if you get it right at birth, there are some things you will never have to struggle with. And I promise you, because I've tried it, I've got two kids myself, and they are now eight and ten, And there are some habits that we established when those babies were newborn that we still have to this day. And we're going to talk about what some of those are. So zero to six, very, very important. Each year, over four million babies are born in the United States alone. That's according to Morris Desmond's 2008 study. Um, You know, there are, and, and of course, if We're talking China. I forgot to check on the statistics for how many Chinese babies are born every year. But in China, they're they're even more than that. And across the globe, I mean, just multiply that by the entire world population. Lots and lots of babies out there. And so there are lots and lots of parents, and many of us are struggling with our babies. We're struggling to figure out how to deal with them, how to discipline them, how to raise them, how to love them, where is the balance, how much do I work, how much do I stay home, lots of guilt floating all over the place over child rearing, and it's a really important topic. If you have children, um, hopefully you're going to be able to find some things, depending on how old they are, that will be helpful in this series for you. I'm actually only going to talk about babies and children up to about the right before the teenage years, the tween years, because I have been told all sorts of horror stories about teenagers. I personally don't believe that all teenagers have to be awful. I was not an awful teenager, and I have lots of friends who have had lovely, lovely teenagers, but I have to say, unfortunately, I have even more friends who've had horrible teenagers, and um, I am told that the minute they hit the teenage years, oh, you just wait. And uh, so I'm just going to wait before I start talking to you about those because it may be that uh, I completely changed my mind about a lot of things when they hit the teens. I don't think so because uh, before I had toddlers, I was told I was going to have terrible twos, and I had two terrific toddlers. And uh, their father and I, in fact, uh, really quite enjoyed the um, terrific two stage. And so I, you know, I don't buy it. I don't think that uh, it has to be that way. And I think a lot of it has to do with um, 
how you raise them, what you do with them. And for those of you who are single parents, I don't consider myself a single parent. Um, I consider myself a co-parent because my uh, ex-husband has the kids half the time. Uh, Whatever problems we may have had between the two of us, um, the kids were not two of them. And so we always agreed on the children. We agree on discipline. We agree on child-rearing. And I personally believe that I can see the results. We can both see the results um, in the way that our our children are today. So here we go. I am going to uh, start with some caveats. I am not a child psychologist. I am not a super nanny. I am a parent who has been there Uh, who's been through it full-time, twice, okay? I have looked after other people's babies because one of the things that's kind of um, typical is that people, owners of young kids, have a tendency to know lots of other owners of young kids. And there comes a stage, especially as the kids get older, where you find that you end up with the temporary custody of lots of other people's children between play dates and soccer and shuttling kids back and forth for this and that and camping and on and on and on. So um, I have had play dates with many, many, many other people's children, and so those are among my qualifications. I am not the perfect parent. Um, My ex-husband, not our perfect parents. Our children, not perfect kids. But we did get a lot of things right. I carry no guilt about the stuff that I didn't do well, and you shouldn't either. You do your best as a parent, and you know what you know. You don't know what you don't know. You muddle through it, and uh, at the end of the day, you love your kids as best you can, and you let the rest go. You can't cover, I can't cover every topic, but I'll try and tackle the most difficult ones. If you have something in particular you want me to address, send me an email. You can go onto the Facebook page and uh, send me an email or post something. You can uh, go to speedway.com and send me an email, and um, I will uh, do my best to cover whatever topics you can call in. I am um actually this is a this is the live recording of this show although at the time it airs it'll be pre-recorded. So if you're listening to this um show on the date that it actually is officially posted, don't bother calling in because it's pre-recorded. If you happen to be listening, I can see that I have a couple of listeners at the time that the live show is recording. You can feel free to call in and uh, hit the number one, and I will know that you have something to say. Otherwise, I'm just going to let you listen. Visit the website for articles, books, resources, tools, speedway.com or the speedwayshow.com, and um, there will be more than uh, enough good places for you to go and, and read about how to be an even more effective parent than you are. Let's start with the myths. Myth number one, they are too young. Let me tell you some things about babies. Um, a baby can recognize the smell and voice of its mother at birth. It takes a few weeks before a baby can see the difference between its mother and other adults, but they can hear and they can smell. This is according to Morris Desmond, 2008, Amazing Baby. Um, New babies prefer looking at a drawing of a face rather than a random pattern. And they prefer smiling faces to grumpy ones. That's newborn babies, okay? And uh, so there's some research that demonstrates that. 
Also, research that demonstrates that a baby's first social smile appears between four and six weeks after birth. You will have links to uh, these and more resources on Speedway.com or the SpeedwayShow.com. But um, I did do some research, so you have the benefit of of empirical data, not just, you know, the wonderful world of Spewer's parenting skills. Um, Up until seven months old, a baby can't breathe and swallow at the same time, did you know? Uh, A baby's grip is so strong that it can hold up a baby's weight. Um, uh, That's just, you know, random interesting facts about babies. And so all of that to say that actually... Newborn babies are magnificently created. They are amazing little creatures, and it is not too early. Let me tell you, I experienced this firsthand when my first child, Olivia, was about six months old, and she's sitting in her um, high seat, and she was just misbehaving. I forget what exactly it was she was doing. And uh, she might have been throwing food on the floor. I forget what it was she was doing, but she was getting on my last nerve. And I just got so frustrated. I turned around and, yes, I confess, I yelled at that child. I said, Olivia, stop it. And I was so angry. And I just frustrated beyond belief. And in the silence that followed my yelling, both of us looked at each other and we both kind of went, and we held our breaths. For two reasons. I held my breath because, number one, I was I was instantly mortified at the fact that I had yelled at my child. That was one reason. But it was also because I could see on her face that she understood me. She couldn't speak. I didn't think she could speak. I thought she was too young to understand. But I could see from the look on her face that she understood exactly what that frustration conveyed. She might not have known the words, but she knew what the tone of voice meant. And she was shocked because I had yelled at her. And I had used a firm tone of voice that she had never heard me use before. And she might have also been shocked because then she realized the game was up because she could see in my eyes that I knew, that she knew. And that was the first time that I realized that actually my baby was not too young to understand discipline which takes me to myth number two. They need to be able to talk to understand you. No, they don't. Matter of fact, it's better if they don't. You have a captive audience and you can say whatever you like. Um, By the time they can talk, I promise you this, you have already been trained. They have already trained you. So don't wait until they can talk. Don't wait until they can walk. Discipline happens at a very early age. Myth number three, they'll be unhappy. Well, I would tell you this. Used correctly, discomfort can be a very positive tool for discipline. In fact, calculated discomfort for your children is a good thing. I say calculated because you ought not to be reacting in anger, right? So the yelling that I did, I'm not suggesting that is a good way of discipline. Do not uh, spank or beat your children. Spanking, incidentally, has been demonstrated not to be an effective tool of discipline. And, in fact, parents who spank their kids most often do it for their own release and not really for the constructive discipline of their children. And it really doesn't help. It doesn't teach your kids anything constructive, although, you know, there are a lot of old-school parents out there who would disagree. 
But I would say to you that whatever your views on spanking, you don't have to use it as a tool of discipline. Matter of fact, there was a show that I did with a wonderful lady who showed up on the show, um, and we talked about uh, spanking. And she has a website called The Hitting Stops Here. That's how firmly she believes that um, spanking, particularly spanking in schools, is very disruptive and destructive, and she talked about that on the show. I would encourage you to um, visit the uh, posting for this show if you want more information on things like spanking and its effects or its terrible effects, and um, you will get that uh, the link from this posting on com or com. Uh, takes us to the next uh, thought that I have about that. Your job as a parent is to prepare your kids for the world. Other adults, other children, will not get out there and cuddle your child as you do. By creating spoiled, self-centered children, you are setting them up for failure, for misery, for difficulties in the workplace, for broken relationships. And your children will not, I promise you, They will not appreciate you for having failed to do your job as a parent. Um, Raise the kind of person you would want to befriend. Raise the kind of person you'd want to work for. Raise the kind of person you'd want to live with because there will be a whole lot of people out there who will have to work with your kids, live with your kids, go to school with your kids, be try and befriend and socialize with your kids, and the better Your children understand things like love, empathy, selflessness. The easier they're going to be to hang around, the more friends they will have, the happier they will be, the more satisfied they will be. And that starts. It starts in the home with how you train them, how you raise them, how you teach them. Um, Another myth that you need to get past, my children won't like me if I discipline them. Quite the contrary. They will love you. They will respect you. They will come to you for help. They will appreciate you if you discipline them. Discipline is not about creating unpleasantness all the time. It's not about yelling at your kids. It's not about being um, angry or mean to your kids. It's about giving them loving, loving, loving guideposts and boundaries. Quite the opposite, children who grow up without limits and boundaries eventually come to resent their parents for not doing their parental duties. Most effective tips for common problems. Uh, Let's start with this idea. Begin as you intend to go on in everything. It is harder to break bad habits that you have established. And trust me, when your kids are young, you are the one who's creating most of their bad habits. It's harder to break bad habits that you have established as compared to starting out creating good habits in the first place. Let's talk about the first big problem for zero to six kids, sleeping, the bedtime routine. Start at birth, definitely by three months. Establish a routine and use it every single night. This is a tip that I got from my boss and at the time that I had my first child, Olivia, and at the time I was married, my husband and I used this tool, and it has been effective to the point where now my kids are 8 and 10 and they still go to bed exactly the same way. Begin as you intend to go on. Here was the bedtime routine that we settled on. Um, We turned on the nightlight. We turned off the big lights so they could distinguish between night and day because usually it's a, it's a it's at about three months that kids start to get 
they start to understand rhythms and cycles. So we wanted them to know that something has changed. It's night. So we did that. Then we turned on the music, turned on the, at the time it was a CD player, now it's an iPod, turned on the soft music, classical music, whatever it was we wanted them to listen to. And we put them in their crib, kissed them goodnight, said goodnight to them, left them in the crib while they were awake. And the reason was because we always left them while they were awake because we wanted them to learn to put themselves to sleep. And that way, they absolutely learned to go to bed without mom and dad having to rock them, having to stroke them, having to get them to go to sleep. If you get your children off to a start by either um, rocking them to sleep, um, um, touching them so that they can go to sleep, then they will always expect you to do it. If you establish a habit with your children where you are um, having them sleep in your bed, especially beyond three months, then that is a habit that they will develop and they will have a really hard time sleeping by themselves. Um, the other reason, actually, to, to get children to put themselves to sleep is because there will come a day, let's face it, when you're not there, right? When they go off to college, when they go off to school, the habits that you establish when they are babies will follow them. I have a friend of mine, my very good friend, who has a, I think her daughter is um, probably about eight now. And one of the things that she regretted was the fact that, you know, this kid slept in their bed for the first two years. And for the first two years, mom and dad didn't have a problem with it. What happened was after two, they had a really hard time getting this kid to sleep in the bed by herself. And to this day, she's eight, she does not like to sleep in a bed by herself. Imagine what's going to happen to this child when she leaves the house outside of her parents and her siblings, um, when she gets to college, when she gets to university. And her mom worries that actually she may uh, end up falling victim. I don't know that, you know, this might be an extreme and it might never happen, but, you know, mom worries that, you know, she may fall victim to uh, getting into wrong relationships just because she doesn't want to sleep in a bed by herself. And um, I never gave it quite that much thought, but, you know, I heard her worry about it, and I thought, oh, that's kind of an interesting um, thing to worry about. But the reason she worries about it is because she can see now, even at eight, that those bad habits that mom and dad created for this child thinking they were doing the loving thing and maybe it was convenient for the two of them, they can see that it has actually been detrimental to this child at this point because um, she cannot sleep by herself. So this is why it's so important to establish those habits from birth. The other reason I'll tell you is that for the times when you cannot be home, uh, there are times when uh, James, my ex-husband, and I had a function that we had to go to. This is when we're in, we were married, we're living in the same house. That's been true since then. Uh, when I've had a board meeting or something and I've had to have a nanny or a babysitter come, I cannot tell you what a blessing it is for child caregivers to have a child who can put themselves to sleep. So I give them the routine, right? Put the put 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 the girls to bed and uh turn on their nightlight, have them say their prayers. You don't need to worry, they'll say their prayers by themselves by the time my girls were, you know, um five. 
they were able to say their own prayers, and everybody had a turn, dear God, blah, 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 and they talk about whatever they wanted to tell God about that night. And uh, I taught them to sing the Our Father. It was very cute. They can still, they can still sing it to this day. And uh, I tell the nannies, you know, put the kids to bed, and uh, here's how you do it. You turn on the light. You turn on the music. You, you put them in the crib, and you leave the room. And they're like, that's it? That's it? I can leave the room and close the door. You are done for the night, honey. And they had the same bedtime every single day. So at birth, I think bedtime for us was 7. And to this day, their bedtime is between 7.30 and 8, and they're 8 and 10. I've actually tried with putting them to bed later, but I find that they're actually cranky in the morning if they have to get up and go to school and they've gone to bed late. But to this day, the bedtime is the same. Now that they're 8 and 10, um, they go, they take their baths by themselves. When they're done with their baths, they brush their teeth, they, they clean up the bathroom, they get into bed by themselves, and they wait for me to come and tuck them in. I come in, we have our mommy-daughter time. Um, they say their prayers, and they have individual rooms, so mommy-daughter time is one-on-one time. And we talk about whatever's on their minds. And um, then I turn on the music, and... Um, I kiss them goodnight, and I leave the room. I turn off the big light, and they go to sleep. Uh, One of my daughters, Olivia, doesn't... In fact, both of them now don't need the nightlight. And that was the other thing. Because we had the nightlight when they were kids, it took them a long time to get to the point where they didn't need it. So at 8, Jamie is just now at the point where she doesn't need the nightlight. But this is the force of habits. We created the nightlight habit, and she needed it for the first eight years. And I couldn't get her to to go to bed without the nightlight until just this year. So it shows you the power of the habits that you establish in your children's lives. Zero to six, set up that bedtime habit that you want. And there are times, I confess, where I really had to fight the urge to rock them to sleep. And once or twice I did it, I'd sit in the rocking chair, and I was just loving being a parent so much. I rocked them to sleep, but I fought the habit to, I fought the desire to create it as an ongoing habit because I knew that if I didn't get it right, we were going to have problems later on. So fight your inclination to create bad habits in your children. The other thing, if they wake up in the middle of the night, don't come rush again. And here's why, especially in that zero to six stage. If you hear sounds coming from their little cribs, don't come rushing in because Babies are actually fitful sleepers. They will talk, they will coo, they will they will rustle around. They'll make all sorts of noises, and none of them actually mean that the child is necessarily awake. So you don't want to teach your child that the minute they make a noise, you're going to come flying in because they'll get that habit, and they will make all sorts of noises to get you to come. But you don't want them to do that. They might go back to sleep on their own. In fact, after a while... Um, after, I think, the first couple of weeks with our firstborn, we'd come flying in because, you know, is the baby still breathing? Is she all right? Uh, does she need something? You know how it is with you, with your, with your, especially with your first child. You come rushing in and you have that knee-jerk reaction. You are sleeping so lightly you can hear everything that child does. And actually, we had a friend who said to us, you know, if you're finding that you're not sleeping and your baby's just moving around, Um, get rid of the baby monitor because the baby monitor will alert you to all sorts of sounds that don't really matter. 
So we got rid of the baby monitor. The baby's room was across the room from our room. And um, we got rid of the baby monitor, which meant that actually we didn't go into the baby's room until the baby actually cried. But what that meant was there were, for every one cry, there might have been ten times when Olivia woke up and put herself back to sleep. So it's fine. It's fine to have your baby wake up and talk to themselves, and they might just go back to sleep. When they get older, they will put themselves to sleep if they wake up. So that's the one thing about um, babies that I will tell you. And I certainly, as you can hear, am not an advocate of putting babies in your bed. Personally, I think it can be dangerous. There have been news stories periodically where uh, parents have um, suffocated their babies because they rolled over onto them and didn't realize it. Uh, or the baby ended up, you know, sleeping too closely to the pillow and or the covers got in the way or something. But um, personally, I think it's a safety hazard as well. So all of this is what you need to know about your baby's sleeping. If you're listening and you're sitting there thinking, my six-month-old, I've already established the bad habits, it's not too late to change it. But I will tell you, the older they are, especially when they get to the point where they can get out of their crib and walk, the harder it's going to be because you will not be able to get that kid to stay in their bed if they can get up and come to your bed and pound on your door and wake you up, and they'll be much less likely to do it. So um, begin as you need to go on. Typically, if you're trying to change a baby's habits, I've heard this, I haven't had to do it very often, but I have been told it takes a minimum of three days to change a baby's habit, and it can be painful. And uh, what you might have to do is um, not necessarily let them sit in their crib and cry the whole time, but um, let's say you've gotten your child used to being rocked to sleep. Well, you might have to uh, hold them and rock and try putting them to bed before they're completely asleep and see if that works. And, you know, you'll have to do that for a while. And they might, you know, immediately wake up and start crying uh, the minute you put them down and you'll have to uh, let them cry for a bit and then pick them up and start over. But um, you might have to do that for a while and it'll be frustrating for a while. But the goal is to get them to the point where you rock them a little bit and you put them in bed and they're still awake, and they don't cry, and they put themselves to sleep. That is going to be a tougher road than simply learning to do it and teaching them to do it at the outset. So that brings us to the end of our time. Sleeping, big deal. So that is our our discussion on sleeping. Next time around, we're going to talk about other things like the dropsies. What do you do when your kid starts dropping stuff? That is a magic, magic training moment, and... um, I will tell you that actually that is a training moment. One of you is getting trained when your kids are dropping stuff. If you're not training your kids, they're training you. So until next time, uh, hopefully this will give you some tips. Visit Speedway.com for other books and resources on uh, getting your babies to sleep a little bit better. But until next week, live, uh, go in peace, and um, love those little babies. Thank you for joining us on The Speedway Show. Visit thespeedwayshow.com for content and other episodes. Join the fan page at facebook.com slash thespeedwayshow. And follow Speedway on Twitter at the handle thespeedwayshow. Until next week, live well, live fully, 
and love deeply.